stick to my 15 minutes, but um, I know you will keep me honest if I don't. Um, so this research is uh, research I've carried out uh, in 2011, and I did interviews with Americans in uh, Berlin, London, and Paris. Um, I also then carried out an online survey um, of Americans, and of those, uh, 460 respondents were in France, Germany, and the UK, and that's what, what this is, is based on. Um, I have a forthcoming book project, uh, Migrants or Expatriates, Americans in Europe, coming out um, in January, and what I'm doing now is taking, and that's a very, a very broad uh, look at, at this question of Americans in Europe, and so now I'm taking specific parts of that and developing them a bit more, more intensively, theoretically. And so that's what I'm, what I'm presenting to you today, um, is the, the role of networks. Um, within migration systems as a, as a factor in, in migration um, of Americans to, to Europe. So one of the things that, that I did early on in this project that I found that really sort of made me start thinking about this question of migration systems was looking at World Bank data. Um, I mean, as we all know, data are, are difficult, and, and Americans are no exception. The estimates of how many Americans, U.S. citizens, I should specify. I know Americans can refer to Brazilians, Mexicans, Canadians, and, and, and many others, uh, but I, I, I do tend to go along with the sort of common shorthand referring to U.S. citizens as Americans and, and vice versa. The estimates of U.S. citizens range from 2.2 million to 7.6 million. Um, this is obviously a very, very broad range. Um, and so for this particular exercise, I just went with World Bank data. And what I looked at there was the distribution of migrants in countries, receiving countries. And for the most part, most countries' migrants are, 99% of them for several countries are in 10 countries. And it goes to about 80% of a country's immigrants are in 10 countries. The United States was the very strongest distribution. There's only two-thirds of Americans in 10 countries. The other one-third are distributed across another 40 countries. And so then I started looking at how can we explain this. And one of the things I came up with is this idea of migration systems. The United States is on, is a receiving country for great many, for great many countries, right? And so it is one pole of many migration systems. So then why can't we look at the bidirectionality, or, or as we talked about this morning, the counter-movement, the counter-flow of American migrants along these, these, same, these same migration systems. Um, and so looking at, at what we might call this, this bi-directionality of migration systems. If migration systems actually exchange migrants, then it makes sense that if the United States is at one end of, of these dyads, if you will, of migration systems, then they're also at the sending end of these same migration systems. Um, so then I wanted to shift to the, we call the, the feedback mechanisms uh, and, and networks as well, which, which play that role of facilitating that migration within the, the sort of counterflow within these migration systems. And so that's what I'm looking at, particularly in the case of, of Americans in, in France, Germany, um, and, and the UK. Um, if you look at, at Germany and the US, just on a sort of purely simplistic numerical basis, for one thing, um, Germany was the largest country of origin for the U.S. for a very long time. It's still among the top five um, of foreign-born in the United States, as is the U.K., I think was of the last census. Um, and, um, and it is still um, 
a, a very strong sending country. Not as much as it was in the past, not as much as it was at the turn of the, of the 19th and 20th century, um, but there, there has been certainly this migration system in the past. Whether it still exists is perhaps open to debate. We can talk about that. Um, in terms of migration systems, the U.S. military certainly has a very strong presence um, in Germany, uh, was in Germany very strongly until 1994, has maintained a presence there uh, still today, and obviously very strong trade links as well. Same thing with the uh, U.K. and the U.S., I mean, of course, there are former colonial ties. There's a shared language. Um, there is also a strong presence, and has been stronger in the past, of U.S. military in the U.K., and again, strong um, economic um, and, and trade ties. And so with the also strong migration of U.K. citizens of Britons to, to the U.S. And, and of Germans, my question is, does this happen the other way around? Of course it does. Um, and that is, is what, I'm, what I'm looking at. Um, now, in terms of France, what is interesting there is that you don't have this strong connection, the strong migration system between France and the U.S. Um, France has not been a key sending country to the U.S. Um, certainly you have a portion of the, of the United States having once been owned by France, the Louisiana Purchase, um, but that is, is perhaps longer ago, um, but we can, we can think about that, that as well. Um, but what's interesting is that France is a key host country uh, for American migrants, for, for Americans um, outside of, of the U.S. And part of that is what I am I'm arguing is networks that have developed. Part of that is based on interwar migration to the United, uh, sorry, to France um, uh, in the 1920s, both African American um, and, and European origin Americans moving to Paris for a variety of reasons. But this romance of Paris, it turns out, plays a very, very key role. Um, and when I looked at, and the networks also play a very key role um, in Germany and the UK, and that's what I will also be talking about. When I asked in a, in a survey um, what was the most important reason for moving to your current country, um, several key answers uh, came out of that. Partner, marriage migration, uh, study and employment were the three three top reasons. Um, it's interesting is there's some variation. If you look at uh, drawn by the language or, or culture of the current country, that's considerably higher in France than it is in either France, uh, either Germany or the UK. Um, and there's higher uh, rates of, of study in both the UK and in Germany. Now, I should say this is not a representative study. There is no way um, to get a representative survey. Um, this involves people who were able to find the survey, interested in, in responding to the survey. It was an online survey. Um, I distributed it to my uh, interview respondents and to American organizations um, in Europe. Um, and so this was something that uh, if a person has no interest in maintaining any kind of connection with the United States, they will not have responded to this. Um, so it, it, it is not. But it, even so, we can still look at, at obviously, patterns that come out of this. Um, Marriage is overall, with a heavy representation in France, the, the key reason for migration. And that, of course, doesn't happen in a vacuum, right? Um, people have to meet their partner somewhere, and that's one of these questions where the networks then, then come in. Um, and that actually brings me to another point, which is not the focus of this talk, but I do just want to, to touch on. Um, and that's what I'm calling the, the accidental migrant. Um, and this is the person who moves for a semester abroad, for a six-month uh, employment contract, for uh, to be with a partner for some period of time until perhaps the partner uh, comes back to the United States or to another country. Um, and what I found is that it's quite common for that initial intended temporary stay 
uh, to become permanent. And this is something that I think then has implications for when we think about why it is that people leave and the decisions about people leaving. Now, mind you, these, these were not people who had to travel in an undocumented fashion. Some of them were undocumented at one point or another. But in terms of entry, they did not need an entry visa to, the France, German, to France, Germany, or the UK. Um, so it was perhaps an easier uh, decision on, in that stance. But, but in any case, I think that this changes perhaps in some ways uh, how we think about the decision to migrate and, and what, uh, what is it that, that people that motivates them to move. Um, so turning to the facilitating mechanisms of, of these migrations um, and the networks that, that play a role, um, just 8.5% of people had no previous familiarity with their host country. So the vast majority, over 90% of them, had some kind of familiarity with France, Germany, or the, or the UK. Um, over half of them had been to their current country um, as a tourist. Um, and that is an important network factor, which I think is often overlooked. Um, I'd extrapolated out, this was multiple response, um, just under a quarter of them had been to their host country only as a tourist. Okay, so half of them had been as a tourist and something else, um, but over a, just just about a quarter had been there only as a tourist. Um, so tourism, family ties and links—not necessarily a partner, but but um, family members from that country. Um, educational exchanges. Um, so thinking of, of Fulbright um, type options. Um, in, in, my, in my own case, when I first started this research, I was calling myself a focus group of one. Uh, I went to Germany in 1996 to do research for my PhD. I had a DAAD grant, um, and I ended up staying. And, and uh, it, it was a surprise to me when I found out, when I started doing this research, and realized that actually I was very typical, um, that this was not um, sort of the... I wasn't quite as unique as I thought I was, uh, which was interesting. Um, and of course, employers uh, play play a very key role as well. Um, and that's something, again, perhaps with Americans in Europe, might be what we expect: um, that people are largely on short-term company uh, company contracts. Um, and that turned out not to be the majority of of my respondents. Um, but uh, but if this is again, we, we don't know really uh, the numbers on the on that. Um, but employers certainly pay pay a role as well. Um, in terms of looking at this, as, again, as this bi-directional migration system, um, this is a quote from, from a young man in, in Berlin. Um, and he was gay um, and had, was from a small town in, in the Midwest in the United States um, and had gone to London um, on a junior year abroad program. And that coincided with his, his coming out as a gay man. Um, and so when he was back in the States, uh, he had decided that he didn't want to stay in the small town in the Midwest anymore, uh, that he wanted to go elsewhere where it would be more, more comfortable. Uh, and this is interesting. Um, uh, scholar uh, Hector Carrillo is doing work on Mexican men who migrate from small towns in Mexico to the United States. And the interesting thing there is that they're going to the United States rather than to Mexico City, which actually legalized same-sex marriage before uh, it was done in the United States. Um, so uh, anyway, so, so he was looking for somewhere to go. He says, I sort of feel like Germany picked me. Uh, I met this woman who's German in Chicago. She'd been there like 15 years or so, and she traveled back to Hanover every year to do a theater piece. He'd studied drama in, in college. And she asked me if I wanted to perform. 
And it didn't pay very much money at all, but it gave me a place to stay, something you do for the first six weeks. And then as soon as that was over, I moved to Berlin because I heard there were cheap apartments there. You know, the cost of living was low. It was 2000 you know. Um, and so this was something that uh, it was very clearly a chance meeting with a German migrant um, in, in Chicago who, who played that, that key role for him. Um, looking at employers, but not just employers, but also networks, so in this case acquaintances as well. Um, this woman was telling me her husband knew lots of people, um, and this one guy ended up working in London, and he certainly always knew my husband wanted to go to Europe and work in London, so it's like, hey, we got a position over, send over your CV. So this is a very classic network. Um, and this was sort of, if you will, the, the migration aspiration combined with, uh, with the, we've got a, my employer has a job, uh, send your CV, uh, and we'll see what we can do. Um, the junior year abroad, against educational exchange, whether formalized through a university, through um, a host country-sponsored educational program, um, this woman who, who was in her 80s when I spoke with her um, and had, in fact, been married. Her husband had, unfortunately, recently passed away, but she had been married uh, for over 60 years. Um, she says, I met my husband during junior year, and I decided, yes, it was Paris, the romance of Paris, but it was also the guy. And we actually got married and had lots of kids and lived, as you know, as the saying goes, happily ever after. Um, and tourism also plays a role. I don't have a, a good quote on tourism, but there we could even speak of this idea of cumulative causation theory, that prior migratory experience facilitates the, the, the latter. Um, one man um, who had visited his brother, who was on a junior abroad um, in Paris, then when he met a French woman later and thought about maybe they could make a, this a permanent relationship, he, in fact, it was not that. It, it facilitated his decision to apply for a job in, in Paris. Um, for another man um, in Berlin, he went to Berlin for a week, loved it, and thought, and he was, he was another gay man, um, who thought that maybe Berlin would be, a, would be a good place to be, and he decided to come and stay there for six months. He, and he was staying there illegally. Um, he had come in as, on a tourist visa, which as, as an American you can come in and stay for three months. He decided to stay for six. Um, he met a partner, and he ended up staying. Um, and so these are, are all uh, sort of networks that have, that have um, played a role um, in people's choices to migrate. Uh, and indeed, these are precisely just sort of to return to this, this, previous, this previous slide. Um, my survey and the interviews showed the importance of these networks and the institutional linkages. Um, so these are, there are some variations from one country to another. There's some, a stronger military linkage in Germany, not as high as, as I might have expected, um, and that may have something to do with, again, who, who's responding uh, to the survey. Um, two uh, points that I put into the survey that were not picked up on, I spent time in my host country or nearby as a missionary in the Peace Corps. It wasn't so crucial in France, Germany, and the UK. I suspect in countries in Asia that would play a very different role. Um, and people who had, um, had family members uh, had traveled uh, to the country for work or business. So these are all previous linkages that then facilitated um, the, the later migration. I'll stop there and look forward to your comments and questions to help me develop this further.